There's a lot to be excited about with how the new rules impact the Cincinnati Reds. Jeff, myself, and the television voice of the Reds, John Sadak, will discuss on today's Locked on Reds. Let's go! You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker. We are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us talk some Reds with you. We encourage you, if you're listening, hit us up on Twitter or check us out on YouTube and drop a thought in our comments section. Talking Reds is what we do, and we want to talk Reds with you locked on reds is part of the locked on podcast network we are your team every day and today there is a metric out there there's a stat out there that people have created that talk about how the new rules affect every team in baseball yes this is brand new this is not something that we have really dove in dove in dive in dove i haven't really gotten into uh it's not really analytics per se but favors the Reds, so of course we're going to talk about it plus the outfield well it's interesting uh there's opportunity right lots lots of chances there for players to take a hold and john sadak has a good feeling about a player that steve and i have been talking about quite a bit we'll get into that in segment two but steve where we want to start today is with the manfred metric Yes, I it's quite I can't with that. It's quite the acronym. Oh, by the way, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. They are the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on. And uh Steve, this this is one I, I the job that 538, this is 538.com. The job that 538.com did in making this acronym makes them the MVP in my mind already for the 2023 season. They found a way to make a Manfred acronym and it, it works. I, it works. It, it stands for Manfred stands for metric for assessing negative or favorable rule effect dynamics. Whew. So a lot of words, the, the Manfred though. So the Manfred metric uh, it, 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 it's, it's very interesting how they did all of this. It takes the, t- every team's 2022 ranking in categories that will be pertinent to the new rules, pitch tempo, uh, which obviously matters for the pitch clock defensive shift frequency, since the shift is now outlawed and sprint speed since larger bases and restrictions on pickoff throws in court, encourage more base stealing. And it combines all of those numbers into a weighted composite number that ranks teams from those most likely to benefit under the new rules to those most likely to suffer. So we got a fancy looking graph here, Steve. And um, what all of these colors mean is good for the Reds. So if you're on the audio feed, I encourage you to 
Jeff, you can tweet this out maybe for yeah, I'll, the audio. I'll tweet out the link it'll be to in Jeff's article. Twitter feed. Um, it'll be on the show's Twitter feed. You can go look at this graph. But basically, the way that this graph is presented, we see uh, teams' win totals from 2022, and we look at their 2023 win totals. And basically, it is a ranking of how the new rules impact that team. So if you're mm-hmm. looking at following along with us, and you're looking at this graph, you will see that the Cleveland Guardians are first in benefit from the new rankings based on the rule changes. The Guardians are projected to be the team that benefits the most from the new rules being instituted in 2023. That thought process in place, you go down the list, you find that the Cincinnati Reds are the 12th ranked team, 12th best improvement based on the new rules in the 2023 baseball season. And it's very interesting to note that that is tied with the St. Louis Cardinals. Now that is also tied for last in the division because both the Cubs and the pirates jump up to eighth, and the, uh, the brewers jump up to fifth when it comes to all of this. So it's, it's interesting to note, and this is the difference from their win forecast for 2023 and how the new rules affect that. But basically and, and when you look at the graph, and I'll leave it up for just a moment more for our YouTube folks, but when you look at this graph, there is a key component to all of the teams that are uh, improved. For the most part, their rosters are young. Their rosters are full of uh, players that are either about to be called up or just got called up or something like that. They're projecting you know, call-ups for rookies and stuff like that. They are filled with players who are more focused in, uh, on you know base running and stuff like that and also more shift-friendly, basically. It's, it's not something that the Reds are benefiting from because of some flukiness. It's just how the new rules affect rosters like the Reds. Right, and, and I think that on top of just the the youth benefiting from speed and and all of the things something to keep in mind is the reds being a younger team having a lot of rookies second year players coming up the players on the reds have already worked within the confines of these rules in a lot of cases major league baseball rolled this out in the minor leagues the minor leaguers have been the test subjects if you will, for all of these new rules. So none of this is new for a, a team that's very, very young. Teams that are full of veterans, that like the Dodgers, as an example, uh, teams that have guys that have been in the league a while, they haven't played under these rules. And especially the pitchers are going to have to learn along the way how to reinvent their game in order to play within the new rule system. Uh, a lot of the Reds pitchers, pitchers aren't going to have to do that. A lot of the Reds position players already know about uh, being in the batter's box and being ready to go, being able to take advantage of the timing rules. And then everybody, of course, learning together on the larger base size and how they can most use that to their advantage when running the bases. And we've already seen a little bit of fruits of the larger base size and different sprint speed stuff with that because there's been a lot of steals for the Reds in spring training so far. And I'm interested to see how that affects once you have an everyday roster or something close to an everyday lineup that the Reds will roll out there that I think is going to be full of some very athletic, speedy guys. And they could really take advantage of that. Plus, the pinch tempo, th- uh, the pitch tempo thing 
is something that, like you said, it, it benefits young pitchers because they haven't built that routine. They haven't built the whole, all right, throw a pitch. All right, let's step off the rubber. Let's grab the rosin bag a little bit. Let's shake that around. Let's get a couple of sets of signs. Let's maybe shake off and, you know, all that other stuff. So I think that this really does bode well for the Reds. And like I said, that that graph shows that the Reds were 27th in win forecast. So the projected win total, 27th in Major League Baseball. The new rules jumped them up to 12th. That is one heck of a jump. I saw uh, I saw uh, some statistics uh, yesterday or day before, Jeff, and I wish I had saved it. I meant to send it to you so we could have it on the show. Uh, but basically what it showed was spring training 2022 versus spring training now, looking at the statistics. Uh, batting average is up. Hits is up. Strikeouts is down. Stolen bases is up. So I think these rules are, in fact, having all of the intended results that Major League Baseball was looking for when they instituted this heading into this season. It, it looks like it's working. Uh, I can't wait to uh, discuss with some pitchers how it's impacting them and what they do as far as maximum effort and being able to, you know, throw the ball the way that they've been throwing the ball up to this point in their career. Funny. You mentioned that we're going to have a pitcher on tomorrow's episode. I'll tell you a little bit about that in a moment. And also, uh, look, we have talked a lot about these new rules and how they affect everything, but it's clear that the reds are going to benefit from them. Absolutely. Well, listen, Jeff, you and I have talked a lot about a certain brand new center fielder in Cincinnati that goes by the name of Will Benson and why we are excited to have him here this year. Well, John Sadiak is also excited about Will Benson, and he's going to tell us why coming up in just a minute. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the sponsor of today's podcast FanDuel today's podcast is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel uh, we're less than a month away from opening day that's right we are at the four weeks to go mark and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel America's number one sports book uh, because new customers to FanDuel are going to get a no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back that's right you get bonus bets back of up to $1,000 if your first bet doesn't win. So how does that work? You upload 1000 bucks, you bet it on the Reds to win opening day, and if they don't, FanDuel is going to give you that money back as a bonus bet. Uh, FanDuel has a lot of interesting bets that you can make for your first bet. Uh, maybe you like the Reds to win 80 or more games. You can bet on that. If they catch fire and everything goes right and they eclipse the 80 win plateau, you could turn $10 into $110 on FanDuel. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 back in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. You can make every moment more with FanDuel the official sports book of Locked On. Hey, and now that sports betting is legal in Ohio, Locked On has you covered with the perfect show that helps both new and seasoned gamblers make the right bets. You can download and subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast. It has daily picks and analysis, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts, just like Locked On Reds. 
All right. I teased this just a second ago. Coming up tomorrow, Lucas Sims is on the show. He is ready to regain his spot in the bullpen. He is looking to be one of the aces out there in the Reds bullpen. And we are going to get to talk to him about his rehab, how things are going. We are going to get the scoop straight from the man himself about how he is going to accomplish all of his goals in the 2023 baseball season. Uh, Jeff, coming up, we're going to dive right now, I think, into our uh, the rest of my conversation with John Sadak. Uh, John's going to talk to us about uh, his thoughts on a lot of guys fighting for an outfield position, uh, guys that are battling to be part of a platoon, battling to be starters. John had a lot of thoughts. And then he's also going to delve into a little bit of this rules conversation that we had and tell us about the impacts of the rules on what he does in the broadcast booth and what he thinks about the rules overall and their impact to the game. So let's get into that right now. Here is part two of my conversation with the voice of the Cincinnati Reds on the television side, John Sadak. Well, let's jump to the outfield where there's a mix of veterans and some new faces and uh, some rookies that are going to make for an interesting outfield construction, I think, heading into 2023. It looks like there's a lot of platoons shaping up. Uh, we've been seeing guys start to start to hit the ball and draw some attention. We've seen it from Jake Fraley this weekend. TJ Friedel's been hitting the ball well. Uh, Will Benson comes over in this deal with Cleveland and seems to be impressing out of the gate. Looks like he's a guy that can uh, be making some noise to get a lot of playing time in center field. And then, of course, depending on what happens at first base, you've got Will Myers over in the other corner. So let's let's just kind of take some of these guys individually. And I want to start with Will Benson because, you know, this is a guy that was brought over that has very, very limited major league exposure. I think he got into something like 20 games, if I'm remembering correctly. Not not a lot, not a big exposure. He's rookie eligible, uh, but he has come over and really played well. He plays great defense, has a cannon for an arm, seems to be really uh, making an impression. What are, what are you getting as far as how uh, those watching him and around him right now are feeling uh, with him as a potential center fielder, especially with Nick Senzel still not quite ready for prime time coming back from that toe injury? I think there's a lot of excitement about Will Benson. Uh, there's a raw athleticism. He's a really smart guy and a smart player. Uh, there's a sense of leadership that I think comes with him. Um, he covers a ton of ground. He does have a strong arm. His hitting numbers at AAA were excellent. Um, I think he can bring a level of power as well to the center field position that could play incredibly well at Great American Ballpark. Um, I, I think he could wind up being uh, – somewhat similar to what Tyler Naquin's arrival was like, also from Cleveland. You know, a guy who was a high draft pick, very high ceiling player, who, you know, for different reasons, wasn't able to quite catch on and get the everyday act, uh, but performed to some extent when he was given those opportunities. For Will, it's been mostly in the minor league level, uh, but I, I think highly, highly encouraging. And for Sinzel at last check, you know, we'll talk to David in about 15 minutes. Um, at last check, he was in some B games, he was taking at bats, but he was not running yet. Um, and and so they were talking about his first spring training game action coming in the middle of the month. Yeah, you know, calendar wise, it it'd be tough to be on the opening day roster with that compressed amount of time. He could, it's possible. He looks great. He's an excellent shape. Uh, but I, I think Will has opened a lot of eyes and is an excellent option for this Reds team to be a regular center fielder. Well, let's stay on Nick Senzel for just a minute. I'll be interested to hear the updates this week as well. 
you know, this is a player that's been, for lack of just a better way to describe this, John, he's been snake bitten you know, for most of his professional career. These these odd nagging injuries continue to just rear their head and and really never let him get uh, established. And there was so much hype and so much hope for what he would be for this team when he came up. And we just really have never got there uh, with this new youth movement. And with guys like Will Benson coming in, is this season, is this Nick Senzel's last chance to really grab himself a spot and, and make himself a, a valuable member of this team? Uh, or is he really in danger of being passed by this year? Um, I mean, I, I can't speak to last chance. I don't know about that, but uh, I do think there is an impetus for him to be on the field and perform. Yes, definitely. And I was encouraged by he made some major swing changes during the course of last year. Uh, he many times during games before he suffered that injury was in the cage underneath and was working on a significant adjustment. That's why he sat for several days. And he was really excited about what that could bring in terms of contact rate and up-the-middle line drivability. Um, he's a super athlete. I mean, when, when he is healthy and he is right, he showed it. The, to me, one of the standout memories of, of last year was that opening series against the Braves. And some of the plays he made in center field in Atlanta to begin the year were stellar. Uh, I think we saw, as we have a handful of times before, you know, little snippets of his full potential. Um, he's really well-liked in the clubhouse. He has some very close connections with a number of these players. Uh, they're, they're all pulling for each other. Uh, but it's a very fair point that you know he, he's missed a lot of time. He's had a, a variety of injuries. The toe injury, trying to make a play, going into the wall. Um, the best ability is availability, as Chris Welsh will often say. And there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, so he needs to get on the field and be able to, you know, assemble some advance to show what he's capable of. But I, I do believe there's certainly a window for him still to be part of this team. It's just he's got to get out there and do it. And he knows that. And that's what he's working on. Well, let's jump over to one of the other corners and talk about the addition of Will Myers. Now, he may play some first base, depending on what happens with that position and, and Joey Votto's recovery. But he looks to be a player whose natural abilities really lend itself to playing 81 games at Great American Ballpark. He seems like one of those players that could really get a boost by playing in that ballpark and really be able to uh, put up some, some decent numbers, I think. Uh, what's, what's been the buzz surrounding Will Myers out there in Goodyear, and what are you seeing from him as he adjusts to being a member of a different organization heading into 2023? Uh, well, I would totally agree with you that I, I think he is in many ways almost built for Great American Ballpark. Uh, I get a lot of Brandon Drury-esque kind of vibes from him on many levels, um, including just, I think, how his bat will play in those home games um, and that he does have a little bit of uh, position you know, diversity because he can be a corner outfield guy and he can spell at first base depending upon the Reds' needs. Um, I had a chance to meet he was, he was coming up with the Royals. And at the time, they were converting him to catcher. Uh, he actually was the primary catcher, and Salvador Perez at one point was backing him up uh, because Myers was considered a first-round uh, talent who had a hard commit to college. And so the Royals, for years before they hard created the slotting system, would take first, second-round talent in the third, fourth, fifth round and give them first, second-round money and try to get them to break away from that commitment. And Will was one of those guys. Um, I also remember in his time then, that he had that that sweet swing, that great line drive approach. The home ballpark that he played in was very pitcher friendly, cavernous, deep, wide gaps. Um, 
and he thrived more in what was the White Sox team at Winston-Salem, which is also kind of a, a hometown, you know, he's from Carolina uh, situation for him, but a ballpark that played a lot like Great American Ballpark, and he destroyed the ball there. Um, and I, I think he is the exact right kind of guy that can be a stopgap kind of solution for a team like the Reds in very similar fashion to what Brandon Drury achieved last year. Um, he'll be serviceable defensively. I think he gives a, a veteran presence to this team, and he will be a professional approach hitter. Um, I think we could see some home road split skews in his numbers, not to say he won't be productive on the road, but I think he can be extremely impactful at Great American Ballpark. The new rules aren't just affecting players. They're affecting the broadcasters of the game, too. And coming up, John Sadak gives us a firsthand account of how his job is changing with the new rules in baseball. Before we jump into that, though, you can follow the podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, thank you so much for watching us. Make sure you click subscribe and you hit that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. As spring training goes along, we'll continue to be five days a week. And once we get into the season, you're not going to want to miss the coverage that we give you right here on Lockdown Reds. And, you know, quick shout out to everybody that has subscribed so far. Thank you for getting us up over 3,000. You guys rock. If it weren't for you, we wouldn't be doing this at all. Plus, we love the Reds, so I'm glad that there's at least a couple of other folks out there that love the Reds, too. Uh, also, make sure you follow us in between episodes on Twitter. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. All right, let's jump back into Steve's conversation with John Sadak as he looks at how the rules are affecting him in baseball. Uh, you mentioned the banning of the shift, and there's there's a lot of new rules this year <laughs> that are making the game play differently. That are, are in many ways have watching a game feels like watching a game from the '80s right now, and it's it's very interesting. And I was I'll, I'll, I'll be straight with you, John. I was initially not happy at all about this whole clock situation. I felt like things were rushed at times. We saw. You know, early on, we saw the, the result in Boston where a game ended on a, a batter's box violation for a called strike three. We've seen that a couple times. Uh, but all that being said, having watched a bunch of two and a half hour games now, for the most part, it doesn't bother me too much. You know, as a guy that's in the ballpark every single day watching this stuff, how how are these new rules uh, impacting the game from where you're sitting? Uh, maybe not only how the players are doing their job, but how you're doing your job. Um, well, I would say, and this is something I texted with some of my friends that are announcers with other teams, and they had some reps before I had my first game. Some are radio, some are TV, some are with teams that play very long games by nature, some are with teams that do not, and they all shared the same thought, uh, that it felt like it was tighter to get some stories in, uh, that you had to be more on top of ball and play action, which I think is good. Um, I, not to say that I, I think Stories certainly have their place, and we're still going to continue to tell them. But much like the players, we just have to adjust our own rhythm. And uh, I think the pitch clock is one of the greatest things to happen to the sport in our lifetime. I, I think it's fantastic. The game needed it. It shouldn't need it, arguably. In the 70s and 80s, they didn't need it. The way the game was played had changed. And so what are we losing? We're losing the man stepping out and adjusting his batting gloves 15 times. We're losing the pitcher taking a lap with a deep sigh and dropping his shoulder, staring off into the sky. To me, we're not losing that. Um, 
I, I think it's helping the game in almost every way. And already we're at a point, at least in spring, where we had back-to-back games over the weekend, there wasn't a violation. There wasn't one. The players had already snapped into that natural sense of rhythm. I think within the, the very early stage of this year, we're not going to notice it hardly at all. Could it impact a game? Yeah. And I, I would say what the, the game-ending situation with that Braves-Red Sox game is one of the best things that could have happened early this spring because that underscores the import of, like, these are the rules and you need to play by them. Here's a game that doesn't matter. Who cares who wins the game? In the regular season, it will matter. And I think there will be another adjustment. I think we'll see some violations in the first month because those pitches matter more for both hitter and pitcher. Uh, But much like they did in the minors, everyone will adjust. And I think within the confine of this year, we won't really notice it. We'll hardly ever be talking about it, let alone the idea of three years, five years, 10 years from now, when almost every player will have played their entire professional lives at every level with some form of the clock. You won't even think of it. It'll it'll just innately help the game have pace. It doesn't mean every game is going to be 220. The Reds showed that this weekend. You're still going to have some three-hour games, but the action will be constant. The ball will be in play, and I think that's a good thing for the sport. We've talked about the banning of the shift. We've talked about the pitch clock there. One of the other changes uh, that Major League Baseball made for this season is increasing the size of the bases. And when we've looked at some of the results of that, we've seen the Reds running more. Now, I don't know that that's necessarily all a result of the increased size of the base. I'd love for you to to talk about what you know on this, because I have heard uh, from some of the interviews with the assistant coaches that they've also kind of focused in on increasing the ability to be disruptive on the base pass. And that may have been the plan, regardless of what Major League Baseball did with the size of the bases. Yeah, I think the size of the bases, the two biggest impacts will be player health and safety. I think you'll see less finger-hand injuries going into the bag. Um, I think the plays at first base with collisions, they, they will be more minimized. Um, we'll still have some. I think at some point we could see the softball-style bag in foul ground, one for the runner to run through, one for the first baseman to step on. I could see that happening at some point in the next few years, even in Major League Baseball. Um I think the biggest thing it's going to do is it's going to take away those uh, replay challenges of someone slides into a bag and for two seconds they lose contact with the base. I think the flatter, wider base is going to make that harder to see. Uh, There's a tighter window now to challenge, and I think it'll be easier for the runner to stay on the bag. And to me, that's I, I do think you should get it right. I'm not necessarily opposed to all forms of replay. I do think it has its place and it should be part of it. That's the dumbest form of replay. That's not the spirit of replay at all. The runner came off the bag by an inch and a half for two seconds, and now he's out. Uh, There has to be a sense of feel, but you can't inject that feel. This is a way to stopgap that. This is a way to, to remove the umpire doesn't have to make a call that's technically wrong, but in the spirit of is right. And then no matter what, one side's going to be angry about it. I think that's going to be the biggest impact. It'll be a minor part of the upper numbers and stolen base attempts and success. Um, I think the disengagement rule for the pitcher will be, and the pitch clock will be the bigger part of that. And we will see more steals. But uh, to me, the biggest impact of the bases themselves are general player safety. And I think, Uh, a lessening, not an elimination. It'll still happen sometimes, but we won't see nearly as many of those dumb challenges on that kind of a left the bag and the tag was on. 
That was a really good conversation, Steve. That was, um, you know, when it comes to John Sadak, I, I really appreciate the fact that he gives us some of his time and kind of gives us an inside look as to what it's like for him to cover our favorite team. Uh, a little inside baseball. He texted me uh, basically as he was driving over to the Reds complex. He's like, hey, I can do it right now. Can you jump on right now? So hence him in the car with the phone doing the thing. You know, he was in the parking lot waiting for David Bell's daily uh, meeting with the members of the media to start. So uh, that's, uh, that's how that came to be. I'm always grateful for John giving us a little bit of time. He's so much fun to talk to. Uh, I always have a blast uh, talking baseball with him. And speaking of having a blast talking baseball, let's tease it one more time, Jeff, because on tomorrow's show, we have a big, huge, giant guest for everybody listening. That's right. Lucas Sims returns to the podcast. He's ready to regain his spot as one of the aces of the Reds bullpen. And we're going to get the inside scoop from the man himself on how he's going to accomplish that. Uh, by the way, thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. Now make your second listen, Lockdown Fantasy Baseball, as Matt and Dom will help you win your league with the best fantasy draft strategies each and every day that's locked on fantasy baseball it's just like locked on reds you can find it wherever you get your podcast and right here on youtube because we are part of the locked on podcast network your team every day steve as we move through spring training teams are getting used to the new rules we are getting used to all the new faces on the roster and who could possibly break uh camp with the team so what's that mean for you and me that means you and I continue to be locked in on the transaction news. We continue to be locked in on all of the rumors surrounding the team. We continue to be, to be locked in on every move that the Reds make so that we can come right back here and report back to all of the viewers and listeners and keep them locked on Reds every single day. I think I could be an ace in the bullpen. <laughs> 